Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and this is Ready to Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognize, others you might not, But my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. In this powerful episode, I speak to health and performance coach, Jerry Hussey. I think this year, honour yourself by saying, if someone is going to be in my life, what are the things that have to be? What am I going to demand from people who are in my life? And now you're bringing a value to yourself. Your time and space is precious. You are precious. You are special. And don't play small to fit into the needs of other people. Don't allow your light to be dimmed so that you're afraid of, you know, how how other people will take it. Be the fullest version of yourself. And if other people love it, fantastic. They're meant to be in your life. And if they don't, they're just not meant to be in your life at this time. And that's perfectly fine. Jerry and his wife, Miriam, are the founders of wellness platform Soul Space. And along with their wonderful children, Elijah, who's a toddler, and their baby girl, Bethany, they split their time between Ireland and Portugal. And I'm proud to call them my friends. I spoke to both of them back in 2019 at the very beginning of Ready to Be Real. And recently I sat down with Jerry and had this heart-opening conversation. In it, he shares some of his darkest times with us and explains how he used his past trauma to step into his power. He talks non-negotiables, triggers, and the impact a letter can have on someone. He gives us so much to think about for the year ahead, and I hope you take as much from it as I did. There's a great expression that says, how do you eat an elephant, one bite at a time? Mm. And I think at the start of every year, we can be overwhelmed, and we can be overwhelmed by... What's, what's the year ahead? We've had so many unpredictable years that people could be overwhelmed what is ahead and that could be worry. The danger with that is very often people say, I'm, I'm afraid of the unknown. Yeah. But we're never afraid of the unknown. I've never once read in the newspaper a man killed by the unknown. So the unknown doesn't hurt anybody. What hurts us or what frightens us is what we superimpose into the unknown. So we let stories begin to run in our head around finance, around recession, around war. All these things are there and we know they exist. But it's important that the story in our head isn't running away. So we often have a story that's running in our head and it's it's bringing us fear and anxiety. But it's not actually real. So I think the first thing is to really fact check the stories in your head. When you think of the year, what if this was going to be the greatest year of your life? What if I promised you next Christmas, you would say that was the greatest year of my life? Now you begin to think of that. 
So the brain, as we know, is a threat detection system and it's always thriving on detecting threat. Now, that threat can be real, imaginary or remembered. The brain doesn't care. Mm. So even if you begin to, in your imagination or in your memory, think of a threat, the, the brain activates the sympathetic ner- nervous system. It activates your fight or flight. You, so you're chemically, biologically, psychologically and emotionally going to a state of stress and fear and shutdown just because you're thinking about something that may never happen. And for years, <clears throat> I lived my life from a place where I thought I wasn't enough. And anybody who's read my book will know that my greatest demons and challenges that cause my anxiety and cause most people's anxiety is fear. Um, anxiety is an unresolved fear. It's an overwhelmed central nervous system. What is the deepest, greatest fear that we all have? That we're not enough. So when you don't feel enough on the inside, when you don't feel enough in yourself, then what we do is we chase things to make us feel enough. Promotions, houses, cars. We're always looking to the future. We're looking for something out there to tell me I'm enough. Mm. So we start chasing things. And I spent most of my life to a point chasing things, accolades, trying to be a good student, trying to be good at college, trying to be a good boxer, trying to be something good that I could say, well, that's me. However, nothing on the outside can change how you feel on the inside. And deep down, we all know that. How you feel on the inside is your own construction. Happiness is an inside job. Yeah. So what I've done is, how do you, again, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. I literally live my day one day at a time. There's an expression that I say, every day is a lifetime and every lifetime is a day. Now, when you look at this from a scientific point of view, every cell in your body is changing all the time. Your brain is reconstructing itself all the time. Your body's healing all the time. The oxygen, the blood in your in your system is changing all the time. The leaves and the trees are changing. The sky is changing. In fact, there is nothing static in this entire universe. So everything is a process of change. And people say, I don't like change. Well, you've no choice because life is change. Mm. But when you reframe change, so I see every single day, I get to wake up and say, today I start again. And whether yesterday was a great day or a bad day, it doesn't matter. I get to start it every day. And every day I ask myself, what what if today was the greatest day of my life? Do you do that every day? Every day. Love it. And like you've been doing this now for how long? I really started to get on top of my anxiety when I was probably 16 or 17. Mm. And I learned around how to rebalance our central nervous system. I realized that most of how we feel in, in, in the brain is actually a gut imbalance because of the gut brain axis, the blood brain barrier. So I changed my, my, my diet, connection with nature, yoga, meditation, positive self-talk. So all of these things started. And suddenly I, I, I realized the more I focused on these activities, so I call them calendar of daily events, C-O-D-E. The more I commit to building an inner world of calm, joy, love and gratitude was the more I was able for the outside world. So my outside world didn't get any easier, but it seemed easier. Where before I saw no opportunities, there was opportunities appearing and people often say, God, Jerry, you're the the luckiest guy on the planet. But think of that great golfer that said, the harder I train, the luckier I get. What I realized was the harder I work on myself and my inner world was the more the outer world opened up. Mm. The less I worked on myself, the more I allowed myself to become consumed with fear, anxiety, stress, negative thought was the whole outer world coming on top of me. So I think the greatest gift that we can give ourselves at the start of any day or any year is taking time to ask these questions. Who am I? What do I stand for? What do I believe in? What does the greatest version of me look like? And if I truly loved myself, if I didn't worry what other people thought and I backed myself, what would I do? Mm. Write that down, go do it. And again, from a neurochemistry point of view or a neurocircuitry point of view, you know, the heart, uh, the brain and the skull and the gut. We know now that the the gut has neurons of its own, so Mm. it's capable of making decisions. It has a conscious awareness by itself. We know that the gut-brain barrier that connects the brain and your skull to your gut is is actually two-way two, two feedback. So it's mm. bi-directional communication. So your gut has, a, has an incredible mind of its own and it can communicate to the brain and the brain acts, but also the heart. So the, brain is rec- the gut is recognized as the second brain. But the heart, and now we're looking at neurocardiology, we're realizing the heart has neurons of its own. The heart has its own mind. And this is incredible. And we know that when we activate the 
the heart and the frequency of the heart, when we open ourselves to love, it changes our biology, our chemistry, our neurobiology. It is amazing what happens. So for years, we've had this expression between two minds. Well, what does that mean? That means I've been between the, the head brain, which is a fear threat detection based on logic. What if I fail? What if it doesn't work? Or we have the heart that only knows love. Now, we know from a scientific point of view that fear and love can't coexist. So every single morning you wake up, the things you think about, the things you listen to, the words you use are either igniting fear or they're igniting love. Yeah. When you ignite fear, it's hard for love to come in. But the moment you ignite love, your body does not understand fear anymore. And that is the power of the frequency of the heart. Mm, it's so much more powerful than fear. So much more powerful. For, for too long, we have given the brain and the school far too much power. We think it is the most powerful thing in your brain, in your body system. It's yeah. not. Yeah. It responds to the gut. It responds to the heart. And sometimes it's at the mercy. So let me imagine you come to a house. It's your home house and it's on fire. And it's pretty bad on fire. You're standing outside looking at it. Everything in your brain is going to do an analysis of the heat, the temperature, and tell you not to go in. But at that moment, you hear your child upstairs screaming, Mammy, Mammy, tell me what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You're going to run in there because the brain cannot handle the power of the heart. Heart is your connection to your soul. It is your connection to your spirit. And when you open your heart to yourself and to the universe, you become invincible and unstoppable. So when I work with high performing athletes, my job isn't to get them more into their head. It's to get them into their heart and to play with freedom. And we achieve a a thing called brain heart coherence. And that is flow state. And now they, when they're playing these incredible games and afterwards you say, how did you know what to, what to do? God, I wasn't even thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can all live in flow state, but it's, it is getting out of fear and it is getting into love. So play, the power of play and the power of, I suppose, tapping in to that inner kid in all of us is something you always talk about. You know, because we, we can have very deep conversations. You're not afraid of having those real chats, but you're also great crack and you also love having a laugh and and just playing, as you said, being a bit silly. It's important, isn't it? To laugh. It, it is. And, you know, sometimes because I'm so passionate about the science and a long time ago, I made a, a decision that, well, this isn't around walking around with a nice tan and six packs and anyone can get physical, physically fit. There's no great mystery to that. What really impacts our, our, our wellness are, are, are things like bereavement, unresolved trauma, you know, and we all know miscarriages, relationship breaks down. So what gym, what gym helps you that? I used to, I could walk into a hundred gyms today. How many personal trainers are trained in that? Yeah, yeah. So I suddenly realized that there is a job to be done in wellness. And you're right. We don't avoid any conversations. It's wellness of the heart, the mind and the soul. And because I'm in that space all the time, then when people see me in one of my shows or they meet me in real life, they're like, geez, I didn't realize you were such good crack, <laughs> but I'm actually a big joker. Yeah. And uh, one of Deepak Chopra's <clears throat> most amazing things he delivered, and as Deepak did, he likes to communicate stuff. And I love Deepak, but yeah. he, he overcomplicates it and he's these incredible big words. Yeah, sometimes it can go over your head. Oh, yeah. And, and I, sometimes I've listened to it 50 times, like, <laughs> what know, the I hell are you yeah. trying to say, Deepak? Yeah. But <laughs> at the end, the, the person hosting the podcast just wasn't getting it. And okay. he just said, Deepak, like, we've, we've spoken for 45 minutes now. I haven't a clue what Fair you're talking play. about. It's all gone over my head. Could you dumb it down? Could you just tell me five things to do every day Uh to live with freedom? Deepak said, oh yeah, no problem. Number one, he said, energize the body every day. The mind and the body are connected. So energize the body every day. Number two, yoga every day. Number three, meditation every day. Number four, reduce processed food as much as you can. Mm. And number five, don't take yourself too seriously because we're not getting out alive anyway. Yeah. And I always thought Deepak was this big, heavy, serious guy. He's not. And I think because we're told things like, oh, it's time to grow up now. It's time to grow up. Mm. And we kind of think growing up is about being serious. But like, you're born and you die. And the only control you have is what happens in the middle. And I believe that the meaning of life is to experience the most amount of joy and love as you possibly can. And I don't worry about the length of my life. I honestly don't. If I had to leave my life in the morning, I'd leave happy enough. Of course, I'd prefer not to, but I'm not attached 
to the length of a life. I'm, I'm attached to the impact. So the first impact I want is, can I find peace in myself? Can I get to experience true, unconditional love? And the third one is, can I be a help or can I be a support to other people? And that is simply what my life is about. But it's not about being overly serious. It's not about condemning yourself or just can we just have fun? So teams that have more fun win more. Organizations that have more fun are more successful. It's the simplest performance indicator in life. Are you happy? Are you having fun? Do you enjoy what you do? And if the answer is yes, you'll probably be very good at it then. When you love people and you love a culture, you're not going to... Ex- you, and what I always say is you have to surround yourself with people who love yourself enough not to to tolerate your nonsense, not to tolerate your excuses. So when you have a boss who knows how incredible people can be, who is loyal to the vision of the business, is loyal to performance and loves people enough not to take any nonsense. It's this beautiful mix. Think back to the school, the teachers you admired the most were probably the ones that were the there was no no messing. Yeah. So yeah, when I yeah. say creating a culture of love in a team or an organization, it it can also mean and actually it permits hard hard conversations. It permits healthy conflict, but all done in a place of respect and honor, where people are challenging ideas, opinions, processes, but never really challenging each other. We're not calling each other's character into question. What we're car- what we're debating is the process, the system, the. And I think that's a real healthy place to be. Yeah. And, you know, that can filter into so many different areas of life, be it friendships or family dynamics as well, because it, it sometimes is difficult. I would imagine as well, particularly in a family unit, if you're not used to saying no or yes, as the case may be, if you start doing that later in life, you know, that can kind of mess with the dynamic of the family. Yeah. I'd say to anybody this year, if there's one greatest gift you can give yourself is make peace with your family. But the weird thing about family is everybody in the family gets a label, brother, sister, mother, father, and everybody has massive expectations around that. And then we get frustrated with our mother, frustrated with our dad, frustrated with our sister. And we say, you know, she should have done something because she's my sister. And it's like an unwritten contract between people. But did anybody tell your sister how to be a sister? Did anybody tell your mother how to be a mother? Was there ever anything agreed? And very often we're not let down by people. We're let down when people don't meet our expectations, but our expectations were never communicated. So what I've done years ago was I've surrendered or I've retired both my mum and my dad from the need to be my mum and dad. Because they're now just people that I love and admire, but I am free to love them. When people are a family, it can be a bit forced. You need to be tight. But when you get adult, what you have to realize is, do I want these people in my life? Do I want to love them? What part of them can I love? What part of them do I need to forgive? So I got from this stage where I kind of thought, you know, I had expectations of what a dad should be and an expectation of what a mum should be. And every time my dad wasn't that, I was disappointed by him. But nobody told him and maybe he wasn't able. So I've learned to love the dad I have exactly as he is and learned to love my mum as the mum she is exactly as she is. I've surrendered all expectations. They're just great people. And my brothers and sisters are the same. And I have a great relationship with them. Thankfully, we, don't, we, don't, we argue, we fall out and we fall in. But there's no great expectation of them. I'm free from and they're free from me. And the things that we connect on and the things that we help each other, it's done with love and freedom. There's no duty. There's no obligation. There's no, well, I need to or I should. And so there's a lovely expression that says, only when you're free to say no, are you free to say yes. And we have to heal because the family dynamic is such an important role. It plays such an important role in everybody. We're put under pressure by families. We feel under pressure. And yet they're just human beings. But when you attach a label like mother, brother, sister, father, it changes something without anybody ever sitting down. And even when it comes, I remember sitting recently with a guy who lost his sister, a very young, and he was telling me obviously a massive traumatic experience. And he's two other sisters. And I said to him, God, it must have really have affected the other two sisters. And he said to me, you know, Jerry, I don't know. I've never really asked them. So we have this idea mm, that yeah. a family is the most open, most connected, most honest. But most families aren't. We tell our best friends things we wouldn't tell our family. So we have this huge expectation from our family, but it's unrealistic. 
because our friends are often the people we go to first. Yeah, yeah. When we need other people to make us feel safe, secure, to make us feel loved, or when someone treats us unfairly, if that deeply wounds us, it means that the wound was already there. So how people make me feel has nothing to do with the other person. So the other person is triggering something in me that's already there. So it's like you can't be afraid of something you don't believe in. Mm. So if you think someone has made you feel not enough, it's because at some level you have to believe you're not enough. You can't be afraid of a ghost you don't believe in. So if something somebody says really resonates with you and activates a high emotion, you have to realize that it's something in you that is triggered. It is you that is holding the emotion and it is you that has the choice of letting that emotion go or not. Like, thankfully, the science is caught up. So when I talk about the mind-body connection, when I talk about that our thoughts and stress are the biggest killers on the planet, when I talk about a lot of anxiety and depression, like when I was saying that 25 years ago, people thought I was nuts. But I was worried about keeping people happy or building followers or not offending people. I would never have said these things. Sure, yeah. I would have bent my message and myself and my character to fit other people's expectations. The only way I could ever have been free to speak my message is where other people's opinions of me became utterly and totally irrelevant. My opinion of me is the most important thing that matters. So every day I ask myself, am I being honest? Am I being truthful? Am I listening to my heart? Am I stepping in the direction of my dreams? And if I can treat other people with respect and kindness, I don't need them to like me or love me or understand me. Mm. I don't need their, I don't need their, all I just want is to know that I've been the best version of me. And when you even bring that into a loving relationship, last year when I was doing a, a podcast or something with someone, I, I said, I've got to a point where I don't even need Miriam, my wife, to love me. Mm. If I need her to love me, there's a danger that I will suppress myself to fit who she could love. But that's control. Love is freedom. And both me and Miriam have given ourselves the freedom to become whoever we need to become. And as I grow and evolve, Miriam's free choice is do I continue to love him or not? But love can't be controlled. So if we say, I love you if or I love you when, that's control. Mm. I love you even. So me and, Mar me and Miriam are married six years. We celebrated at New Year's Eve. She's not the same lady I married. I've had to re-fall in love with her again and again. She's changed her ideas, her opinions, her identity. She's a mother of two. She's a business lady. She's incredible. And I'm not the same person. So we have to re-fall in love with each other on, on, on a basis of freedom. But if I thought for one second that Miriam was somehow suppressing her identity or her message just so that she could be loved by me, that's not the marriage that I think. I think marriages and love is giving people the freedom to become the best version of themselves. Yeah. And we're always changing. We're always evolving. Mm, of course. You you speak about um, turning your pain into into power, into a place of power. And I suppose that's what you're about. You're about stepping into that, stepping into who you really are and owning it. Is there something we could talk about now, as, as in reflecting back on a time in your life that was particularly painful or difficult that you now have learned massively from. Is there any way you could talk about that now? Well, I mean, there's no way I could be sitting here today without my past. Yeah. It has made me who I am. And, you know, when I'm boxing, people see me as a tough, I have great confidence because I've had to build it from nowhere. But I can also be very kind and compassionate. I'm not, I'm not afraid of darkness. I'm not afraid of sitting with people who are at the utter end of darkness. Because I've been there. Nothing scares me anymore. Life doesn't scare me. Death doesn't scare me. Because I've been, uh, I've been there. I've been up and down. So I think my past has brought me kindness and compassion and a fearlessness. Mm. That's my greatest gift. Now, if I could go back, would I, would I want that anxiety? Would I want those suicidal, suicidal thoughts? Probably not. But I've had them. So I give, one time ago, I used to hate my past. Why wasn't it different? But when you, your past is you, and as long as you're condemning your past, you're condemning yourself. So everything that has ever happened in me, my ups, my downs, my mistakes, the people I've hurt, and I've hurt lots of people, I've made loads of mistakes, but they've always 
it has brought me to this moment. And WIN means what's important now. So this Jerry that wakes up today, he's never existed before. Biologically, chemically, molecularly, he's never existed before. Am I going to infect the biology of the present with the trauma of the past? Or am I going to let that go? Because as long as we're emotionally attached to the past, then we're chemically and biologically responding as if it's already happening. And if our thoughts, our emotions and our chemistry, our newer circuitry is the same as the past, then our future will just be a repetition of the past. So in order to give myself total freedom to build any future I want, mm. I have to make absolute peace with my past. And I think it's about forgiveness. Yeah. And forgiveness of others, forgiveness of self. Forgiveness of others isn't about letting other people off the hook. It's not about condoning what people did. But forgiveness is where you make a statement that that thing, that person, that situation no longer occupies time or space in my emotion. I am freeing my mind, my body, my chemistry and my future from that person. So I'm not giving them any more power. And forgiveness of self is one of the greatest gifts. Yeah. Just saying every morning when you look in the mirror, I love you unconditionally and I forgive you completely. And now you become free. And I think that's how I've done it. It's, it's this commitment to beginning every day as if it's never happened before. So every single day is a new day. It's a day you've never lived before. It's a day you will never get again. It is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Wake up every morning, take some time to stop, to breathe, to meditate, mm. to ask yourself if today was going to be the greatest day of my life, how would I feel? What would I do? What would I speak about? And then go do that. Because it could be, you know, it could be the day that something really amazing happens. And that's the thing, isn't it? When we look back mm -hmm. through experiences of, of our lives and people who perhaps come into our lives on a particular day, you don't realize that maybe that person is going to be a really significant person in your life. Tell me if you're not comfortable, but if you are comfortable, I think people listening might appreciate a sense of of how dark it got. I'll give you one instance. When I was 11 years old, I had a blue bike that I bought for my communion money. And I remember one night uh, in the dark at the head of our road. So anyone that's not from a rural setting, you might know, but the head of a road is where a little road joins a main road. Uh, and there was a new house being built um, to my left and they have a wall. And I'm sitting on the bicycle behind that wall, waiting for the next truck, car or van, anything to come so I could cycle out in front of it. Because I could not live with the tirade of anxiety, stress, fear, not being good enough, telling myself I was useless. Gone to every GP, every GP saying he's fine, there's nothing wrong with him, he's making this up. That's one monumental moment. Another monu monumental moment is when my mum, who you know, really is an incredible lady. So is my dad. And they brought me this specialist uh, paediatrician who was meant to be the wizard and he was going to finally solve me out. And so I'm racked with anxiety, panic attacks, my heart racing, sweating, headaches, a terrible stammer, couldn't speak, useless at school, couldn't concentrate. So he does all the blood tests and he does a brain scan. But of course we know now, you know, this, you know, most of anxiety and stress is trauma-based. It's, it's not chemical, it's not in the brain but the brain came back healthy so when he was trying to tell us to leave out the door my mother was asking like well what is wrong like what is and he was trying to push us out the door fairly quick because our time was up and what he said was if you want my honest opinion Mr. Sussie now this is after from being in that moment at 11 and this is 14 and every day from 14 11 to 14 my greatest challenge was not to end my own life on any given day living in absolute terror, unable to sleep in case I never woke up. And he said to my mother, if you want my honest opinion, he's making this up so he doesn't have to go to school. You have a perfectly healthy young boy. And at that moment, two things happened. It was like the greatest kick in the stomach that I ever experienced. But it was a, a seismic moment in my life where I looked at him and I said, you will never make anyone else feel like this again because you have missed something. Mm -hmm. I don't care what training you have. I don't care how great they think you are. You have missed something and I will find it. And I've studied psychology, nutrition, strength, conditioning, quantum physics because I will find it.
And I will not allow people in that state to be told by people like him that you are making this up. And I have dedicated my life. This is my life mission. So there's two moments in my life. So anybody out there, you are not making this up. Mm. And this is real. But I promise you, this is not a chemical imbalance. It is not a problem in your brain. It is something that I promise you can be fixed. It is multidimensional. So I've had to have therapy, I've, my, my diet, my exercise. I've gone at this from every angle. Which one of them worked? I don't know. But I sit here today. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I don't have a stammer. I don't have panic attacks. I don't have stress. I am married to an amazing human being. I've built a, a business that I'm so proud of. And when I look in the mirror, I see someone that inspires me. So that's the depths. So those two moments... And that trigger moment is when that pediatrician said that. And up to that point, it was all about me. How can I fix me? That moment I made a decision at 14 years old. How am I, how am I going to fix this for others? Wow. And there's a message in that. When you see your life as service, and that is how I've been fearless in the pursuit of science and challenging misinformation and bad science and saying things that people say, oh, you might lose followers. I don't care if I lose followers. I might help one person. Um, and that's how deep and that's how dark it has been for me at times. But there's hope and there's always hope. And there was days I had to break it down, not just one day at a time. I had to get to one hour at a time. But once you begin to come at this from a multidimensional point of view, once you begin to give yourself a chance, once you begin to realize that this is changeable because most of us were not born with anxiety or depression or self-fear or self-criticism or judgment or trauma. So maybe it's not genetic or biological. Maybe this is a learned response. And if I can learn once, we know through neuro neuroplasticity, if I can learn something, I can relearn. And I've relearned my entire understanding of who I am, what this universe is about, what I'm capable of and what my life mission is. Thank you so much for sharing that. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I feel like you have given a huge sense of of comfort and connection to people listening who perhaps are maybe in it now. It's impossible not to live in the world and not feel pain. We've all felt it. Pain, there's a, an expression that I've discovered and I love it. Pain is inevitable. The human condition is pain. Mm. And if nothing else is pain of death, because we all die. But along the road, every family, every person will experience pain. And I'm not one of these false, positive, happy, clappy, let's pretend the bad isn't happening. I don't believe in that. Mm. Let's face the bad. Let's address it. Let's ask why it's happening. Is there something we can do to control it? And if there's nothing we can do to control it, then what can I do in the face of it? 
And no matter what pain you're experiencing, if you can meet it with compassion and kindness and acceptance and surrender anger and judgment and bitterness, it is amazing what begins to happen. One of the greatest books I've ever read is Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, a concentration camp victim who has you know, lost family, just what he experienced. Yeah. And he made the decision, this will not be the defining point in my life. This will not be the emotion that I live the rest of my life in. Mandela said when he was leaving the cell, the door was opened, but if I didn't leave anger and judgment behind, I would never have freedom. Mm. So what I would say to to everybody is that we look at choice. And when pain enters your life, it's unavoidable. It is. You can't deny it. But you don't have to suffer in the face of it. And like we look at people who come into the end of their life and suddenly have this newfound freedom and happiness. So even when you, even death doesn't control you, even in the face of death, we often see the most incredible things coming alive in human beings. Because what death or what sickness does, it wipes away all the crap, all of the nonsense, the stuff that's not important, the stuff that we thought was important. Mm. And you suddenly realize all that matters is, could I be more kind? Could I be more loving? Can I stop and take a deep breath? And while I have this simple, short, beautiful life, can I... Be, just be less judgmental. So that's what I would say is that pain will enter all our lives at some point. Mm. So what I say to all everybody I work with is the weight of anything. So whatever you're carrying at the moment is the weight of itself plus your resistance to it. And when you release resistance, when you release comparison and judgment and you replace it with just an acceptance. Now, accepting doesn't mean you can't change it, but it means I'm committing to changing it from a place of love and joy. And when we try to change something from a place of fear or anger, we can't change a whole lot because if our emotions in response are equal to the emotions that caused it, then we can't change anything. Yeah. So the only way you can change something is to come at it from a different emotional, psychological point of view. And it's like in sport, if think of a hurler running through a... A tackle, and he's about to uh, he's about to come one on one with the goalkeeper Harry Ruddle from from uh, from uh, Bally Gunner, you know, about to score the greatest goal ever scored in Corp Park. About to see his loved ones and his family jump for joy, his whole community together. And at that moment, just as he breaks through the final tackle to come free, in that moment, somebody hits him on the shin with a hurl. But as they hit him, at that moment, he sees the goal, he knows it's on, and he can just imagine his dad and his granddad jumping for joy. How, how much does he feel that impact of the hurl at that moment? He doesn't feel no, it. He doesn't feel it at all, yeah. So when you give something a context, mm -hmm. and you change the context, pain is pain. Of course, Harry got hit with a hurl. Of course, it was painful. But they were overriding emotion. And I think that's a point of power. Pain is one emotion. Fear is one emotion. But there are more powerful emotions we can choose. Yeah. In the face of illness, in the face of death even. But most of us, it's not illness and death. It's a puncture. It's a job promotion. It's the things that we're getting really angry and stressed about aren't even that important. So what I would say to people is this year, freedom and choice. You have a freedom every given day about who you become. You have a freedom about the food you eat. You have a freedom about the meditation you do or don't do, the yoga you do or don't do, the therapy you choose to get or not get. And any given moment, you can't, maybe you can't choose what is happening in your life or you can't choose what is happening on the outside. But you always get a choice and the choice is how you choose to respond. And Frankl said, the greatest and most important of all human dignities is the ability to choose our response. Mm. And for me, that is all I try to do in life. Am I responding with kindness, with joy, with compassion? And when you can bring that even into a place of pain, the pain isn't as bad as we think it is, or we can't change the pain, but who I am in the face of pain or who I am in the face of challenge, that's up to me.
but it does give you a sense of confidence when you've overcome that tough thing, doesn't it? It does. And I think that's why, I suppose that's why I train, that's why I'm back boxing because I think the lazy brain and the ego is always trying to trap you in this created identity. That's not for me. I couldn't do that. I can't overcome that. And when you face something that either terrifies you or activates the lazy brain that says stop and then something inside says, no, I'm not going to stop. And I, I'm just going to go a little bit more and a little bit more. And why, why I box, why I do these things, it's not about punishment because I don't believe exercise or sport should be about punishing yourself. There's enough punishment out there. I think it should be the joy of overcoming. So when you wake up in the morning, I wake up every morning at half five, my alarm clock goes off. Do I hit the snooze button or not? If I hit the snooze button, I've lost. So I don't hit the snooze button. I get out. When I get out, about eight out of 10 mornings, I will tell myself, I don't want to train this morning. That'll be my first thought. That's okay. the ego. <laughs> yeah. But my soul says, you're better when you train. So I never listen to my ego. I listen to my soul. So I go train because you'll never regret it. Or I jump in the sea. And I think in the morning when you wake up, go do something to change your biology, your chemistry, to open your mind, open your heart, get into a place of gratitude and love and have that done before your ego wakes up. And now you're in control, not your ego. So there is no identity. There is no, I don't do that. That won't work out for me. I couldn't do that. Of course it could. So when I train or when I do things, the physical training is only one part of it. The main part is what voice in me am I hearing? What's coming up? And what's good and what's beautiful, if it's compassionate and kindness magnified, and if it's negative, limiting, I switch it off and I overcome it. And now I realize that I am not my thoughts. I'm not victims to my thoughts. And I am not, the inner critic is not in control. He has his voice. He has his say. He will always be with me, but he never controls who I am or what I do on any given day. Ever. Ever. You never let him into the driving seat anymore. Nice I one. get I get angry every now and again. That's where, so I, I my routines, I would never, I, I, I have this belief, if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. So are I will you, always... Are you careful about what you say, so? Very careful. If I okay. someone says something like, even we'll meet for coffee, yeah, yeah. and I'm not 100% interested in it, I yeah. would say no. Good on you, yeah. Straight out. Or if they say, oh, let's meet up. I've I've wrote... Recently, but well, two years, just before the pandemic, I wrote 12 letters to 12 different people who I kind of had relationships with, but the friendship was dead and we were kind of meeting up. It was kind of forced. And I just wrote letters to them, surrendering them from the need to be my friend. And you're saying, you know, because some of them used to just suck the life out of me. Can I meet you for coffee, Jerry? And what that wanted, can I come and talk about myself for two hours and drain you? Right, Others yeah. were people who just wanted to be negative about life. So I call them time and energy vampires. And then some other people, it was just forced because we both might've been great friends in college, but we've changed so much and we had nothing in common anymore, but we kind of felt that we had to keep meeting up. I think as an adult, the great gift is we get to select who we spend our time with. But that's very gutsy. Like, I mean, a lot of people might want the idea of that. I think, oh, that would be really, uh, you know, it would be, it would free me from from these connections that I have. But it, it takes guts. And I think a lot of us have had periods in our life where intentionally or unintentionally, sometimes we do cull connections, mm. be it friendships or work colleagues or, or some cases, perhaps family, who knows. But um, to actually sit down and actively write a letter, wow, mm. that takes a lot of guts. But but it keeps going back to what we spoke at the very start, knowing who you are. Yeah. And not yeah, needing yeah, yeah. to be loved, not needing to be understood. And because, like, I have friends who I would have a great friendship with. Mm. And they'd have another friend who I'd have no relationship with. It doesn't mean that person's a bad person or they're yeah, great people. I just have nothing to connect with them on. And I have no interest in meeting for a cup of coffee. And I have no interest in trying to force a relationship that isn't there. Because it allows me then, if I'm not investing time into people that's forced, then I have more time to invest into people. That's easy. So most of us, I say you do a talk, or I give a talk or, you know, and I go down at, uh, at, at the break and one person, I just happen to be, how do you find, oh, the useless. Content's useless. I think your delivery is useless. And 99 people say your talk is great. One time ago, I would spend more time worrying about that one person. Yeah. 
So nowadays I know that my content isn't for everybody and that's perfectly okay. Not everybody likes me. That's perfectly okay. Not everybody wants to spend time with me. That's perfectly okay. But here's the thing. I don't love everybody's content either. I don't want to spend time with everybody (laughs) and I don't love everybody either. And when you allow yourself to be who you are without judgment, then you release other people Mm. to be who they want to be without judgment. I just think these, these fake or kind of contrived relationships they just suck the life out of us Yeah. and you kind of say oh, I'm going out now to meet these for dinner tonight and I have no more interest in it than on <laughs> the moon well why are you going then yeah and uh, yeah and, and Miriam would be so loving that she's a bit like that yeah and I'm kind of <laughs> I'd say well why are we going then just I'd say ring them and tell them I said well, what would I tell them just tell them I said just tell them no interest in meeting them <laughs> <laughs> but it's not about being harsh and it's not about you know it's just certain times there are certain people who who bring the best out in you. So did you gently let people down in the letters? I just told or them that. Or were you blunt enough? I, no, I just told them that. I probably felt that our relationship had ended. Yeah. And then for some people I replayed. So I used to say the last 10 times we met, this is what happens. I meet up. You talk for the entire time. It's nothing but negativity. You're always given out and I leave feeling depleted. And I don't know how many more times I could do this. If it's help you want or support, I'd help and support anybody. But if you just want to meet up to give out and moan, I've no interest in that. Mm. Or like some of my friends, you know, sometimes you'd figure out that people have different values in life. And I'm not saying like, you know, they might say things that I would find. You can't say that. That's offensive to people or to a gender or to a race and they might mean a whole lot by it, but I was like, why would you say that? So like, I want to be in conversations that are great, that are stimulating, that are exciting, and that I value. So I would just say to people, you know, I'm, I don't get any great value out of our conversations. Somebody else would, so go spend time with them. But uh, I think that's, you know, anybody that knows me personally knows I'm very straightforward. Yeah. I'm very honest. Let's meet for coffee, Jerry. If I say yes, the next thing I'm going to ask you is when are we doing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I have no interest or if I have only 80% interest, I'll say no. No mm. thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, I'm just thinking I, I, I probably need to take pen to paper myself. And I think uh, it's probably a healthy thing for a lot of us to do because I think sometimes difficult conversations, I, I don't avoid them because I, 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 I like to have a robust conversation. But I find that sometimes I can get overwhelmed with what I want to say in the moment that it might not come out right. But actually taking time to to write your thoughts down about a, a dynamic or a relationship could be a really healthy thing to do. So that's a top tip that I wasn't expecting. So thanks for that. I think at the start of a year, I think it's look at your relationships. And as we said yeah. about family, which relationships bring the best out of me, nourish me? And a great question is, what's the role I play in those relationships? Why do I play that role? Sometimes we have to be the peacemaker all the time. But I, 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 I happy to continue to play that role. And I think sometimes the relationship might have to end, but maybe it has to be re-energized. So you might say, well, I'm going to play a different role. We're going to, we're going to still dance, but we're going to dance a different dance here. Yeah. And I think people, we get caught up into playing certain types of roles in relationships and we yeah. get bored. And, and then when people know what to expect, they turn up and they immediately put you into that box again. You have to free yourself from that. But I would also say that, to people, there, yeah. like one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life, I wrote a letter to my dad and everything that I needed him to know, I put it in. And at the time, it probably would have been awkward or awkward or to sit down with him. And maybe I would have been overcome with so much emotion that I probably wouldn't have got it all out. So I wrote it all down. I spent a long time crafting it. I put everything in it. I gave it to him and he read it. A week later, I asked him, did you read the letter? He said, I did. Is there anything you want to talk about in the letter? And we had the most amazing conversation. And from a relationship that was always fraught and fragmented, my dad became my greatest friend. My dad is, I just completely changed my relationship with my dad. Just a letter. So I would say to people, sometimes it's hard to say things to people. Or you're afraid if you say something, the emotion will lead you on tangents or maybe you won't have the courage or confidence to say a beautifully written letter that's written from compassion and clarity is a gift 
And sometimes a letter could also be just telling people how much you love them and how much they mean to you. Because everybody we love, we think they know we love them. But everybody doubts themselves. So, you know, even in this new age of technology, a letter well-written that says everything you need because we know life is short and we never know when these people won't be in our life anymore. Do not have any regret. Everything you need to say, say it. Say it verbally if you can and if you can't, a letter. But I know, I know that letter meant so much to my dad. Mm. My dad keeps nothing. He probably has the same pair of shoes, you know. And I bet you if you asked him now where that letter is, he knows where it is. Of all the things you could buy or all the things you could give to your parents, letting your parents know for all that we are and all the ups and downs, I love you with all my heart. I forgive you for what you're not. I surrender you from all expectations. And having you in my life is so important to me. If you could just get that clarity and get those things out. And whether it's a brother or a sister or a mum, a dad or a friend, don't leave them. Don't leave it until it's too late mm. to say what you need to say. So maybe at the start of January now, maybe just think about who are the people I need to say something to? How am I going to say it? And by the end of this year, I'll have no regrets in any of my relationships. Don't put things on the long finger. Like I think for all of us, if we can decide in our own head how do I want to be engaged with in life? What am I going to tolerate and not tolerate? So I have, I have things that I call non-negotiables. So if somebody has a non-negotiable, mm. I'm not interested in that conversation. If it's racist, if it's sexist, if it's demeaning of people, I have no interest. I am not interested in that conversation. I would often say to maybe I'm out with the lads or out, out with the pub, I say, lads, you know, I'm going to go away for 20 minutes. When this conversation is over, I'm, I, give me a shout and I'll come back because I'm not, I'm not having this conversation. We get pulled into conversations that suck the life out of us. Yeah. But if you're willing to tolerate that conversation, it says something about you. And I think, I think that's, that's the gift. The gift is, who am I? And if you are to have a relationship with me, this is kind of the, the, the general idea. So people who are my friends, and I don't have a million friends, but they know what to expect from me. They know what I value. They know what my values are. They know how I interact with people. And then they can choose whether they want to be my, my friend or, or be in my life or not. Mm. And I think, for, I think sometimes we get treated like doormats or sometimes we're treated unfairly. But what you permit, you promote. I don't permit people treating me badly or unfairly. You know, treat me with kindness. Treat me with respect. Disagree with me. Some of my best friends listen to what I say and say, I don't agree with any of that crap. And especially when you are talking about God, Mother Divine, I, <laughs> you're, you're nuts. But you're honest, you're decent, you're good crack. So I'll have, yeah, we'll, so, we'll agree to disagree, yeah, is it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this year, honour yourself by saying, if someone is going to be in my life, yeah. what are the things that have to be? What am I going to demand from people who are in my life? And now you're bringing a value to yourself. Your time and space is precious. You are precious. You are special. And don't play small to fit into the needs of other people. Don't allow your light to be dimmed so that you're afraid of, you know, how, how other people will take it. Be the fullest version of yourself. And if other people love it, fantastic. They're meant to be in your life. And if yeah. they don't, they're just not meant to be in your life at this time. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah, and it's true. The more you step into who you really are, often dynamics can change because maybe you weren't living the truest form of yourself before. If your only goal this year was peace, what would you do more of? What would you do less of? If you were to really listen to your soul, is there enough love in your life? Is there enough fun in your life? Is there enough compassion in your life? When you listen to how you speak to yourself, do you speak to yourself in a kind, loving way? Or do you sometimes speak to yourself in a way that's unkind? Do you speak to yourself in a way that you wouldn't speak? So make peace the goal. Now, in saying that, I do live with a conscious intent. I would never talk about setting goals. But my intent is I always have a vision board. So what would I love to create? What is the life I'd love to create? So, you know, we're heading off any day now to Portugal for three months because we've always had this idea that we want to live in the sun for half the year. 
And when everybody said you can't do with young kids, you can't do in the middle of a pandemic, you have to stay here with your business, either you build the business and you squash your lifestyle into suit the business, or you build your lifestyle and shape the business to suit that. So a lot of us chase a job and then we have to squash our lifestyle in around the job. So I would say to everybody, create a vision board. What would a great lifestyle look for me? Where would I be? What would I be doing? Don't get too caught up in how that's going to happen because that's up to the universe. So rather than setting a goal, set a conscious intent. And then that vision board becomes like a strategic filter. So every decision you make has to, the only question you ask is, does saying yes to this bring me close to that picture or not? If it does, you say yes. If it doesn't, you say no. And I've had to say no to lots of stuff at the time that seemed to make no sense to other people because, geez, Jerry, you're struggling. You're not making a whole lot of money. You're, you're barely paying the rent. Here's a great gig and you're turning it down because that's not the business I'm in. That is not the direction I want to go in. So when we live with a conscious intent, I would say to everybody, set a vision board, put pictures, put words. So now every morning you woke up, you're being inspired by a vision of the future, not a memory of the past. Mm-hmm. What's important is not what went on yesterday. What important is W-I-N. In order to step, one step closer to that vision, what's important now? What's important today? So make peace the goal. Each and every day, do what brings you more peace. Follow bliss, follow joy, follow love. Do more of what you love because if you love it, you'll do more of it. If you do more of it, you'll probably be good at it. So follow love. Be open to change. Be open to the universe bringing you on different routes. But set a vision board. This is the new me. This is how I walk. This is how I talk. These are the conversations I have. These are the conversations I'm not having this year. These are the people I'm going to surround myself and spend more time with. These are the people I'm not going to spend more time with or surround myself with. And when you align your mind, your body and your soul to a vision, and you get rid of the distraction and you're not being pulled and dragged in directions that are different. A lot of people wake up every morning and they have an, an intention. I'd like to get fitter. I'd like to get stronger. I'd like to become good at yoga. But then their attention goes into other stuff. So they're not practicing yoga. So if you have an intention, you have to make sure that your daily activities are connected to that. And when you align intention and attention, when you're putting your energy, your thoughts into a single vision. It's amazing how the universe makes that work. Mm. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. I have a, f- I have a few letters to write. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're, we're all on the journey of, um, and who will be at the end of the year is somewhat unknown. Yeah. And give yourself that freedom too. You don't need to know everything or control everything or predict. So live this year. If I can be more loving and more kind every day, maybe the universe will guide you. So If you're about to take a step and you don't really know where it ends and you don't really know how it's going to work out, don't be worrying about it. If it feels the right step taken and 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 I hope we we might do another podcast at the end of the year and God knows where either of us will be. Yeah. But if we're still operating from a place of kindness and love and compassion, it'll be a great year. Fabulous. Jerry, as always, an absolute pleasure. You can find Jerry on Instagram, of course, your soul space community. You're constantly running retreats and events. So keep an eye on uh, on, on your page and your website to keep uh, on top of um, of events that are coming up. And you can be part of the community. Anyone can join. Isn't that right? Anyone could join a community. It's a, an online community where every day we have morning thoughts of the day. We have yoga, we have meditation, we have incredible master classes every week on good brain access uh, um, the brain the nervous system and we bring in incredible guest speakers so uh, we've yeah we've hundreds of people on it and it's about activating energizing people and uh, just bring a sense of community of really good like-minded people together and we love doing it yeah give us the website again it's uh, soulspace.ie fantastic Jerry we'll chat to you again thanks so much thanks a million Next week, we'll be learning more about the Celtic Festival of Imbolc. And if you liked this episode, please let your friends or family know about it or you can pop it up on your social media and you can support what I do in all the usual ways by clicking follow, giving a rating or leaving a comment. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Ready To Be Real.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 